A major staple of hip hop right there, brother. Is this thing on? Yes, sir. Yo, yo, welcome to No Ideas Original Podcast. Featuring Shamal, Mr. Rob, and Zane. Today we have the honor of having Chris join us. What's up? Yo, how you how you feeling, man? I know we supposed to connect. Um, was it early this week? You got sick? You alright? No. No, okay. No, yeah, right. I have the flu. Oh, man. Right. So, are you into CMOS? I consumed all my CMOS. I have had black seed oil, vitamin D. Okay. I use, like, I'm older than y'all. Okay. Yes, Elderberry. Elderberry. Elderberry is something else. Yeah. <laughs> but I mess with, I have castor oil, too. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, if the flu is, you know, gotta go viral. It take a couple, take a couple of days. You know, you'd be good. Yeah, Man. It just keeps you tired, bro. That's the thing. Yeah. Right. So, so let, 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 let me say this, man. Like, look, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a dude. Grew up, born and raised on the, um, the East Coast, hip hop fanatic, and had the opportunity to experience the, the. I wouldn't say the birth, but maybe like the second phase of hip hop, hip hop in its infancy and the, the growth of hip-hop. And I wonder, you know, from, from what it, what did that look like for you from a, a West Coast perspective, growing up on the West Coast and watching hip-hop transition from what it was in its infancy to now? Like, what's, what, what was that like for you? <laughs> That's a good question. Because um, it was actually, it wasn't even called hip-hop. It was just right. what we were doing. Right. Uh, yeah, man, it was a, so like this is the thing about this thing of ours. It's been the same from the beginning to now. It's no different. The only thing that changed was the amount of equipment that the producer has now, the DJ, or the amount of money that he got or can generate. For instance, like I started DJing, I'm a DJ. Right. So there's no rapper without a DJ. So you DJ, then guys come and they want to talk and it's fine because I don't talk. So you guys go. And then I do these things so that it makes it easier for you to talk. Like I keep the beat going. I'll stop it. I'll spin it backwards. I'll do a backflip. Everybody's, ooh, so now I'm your DJ. No, ooh. Ha ha, I'm quick. <laughs> I like to say that DJ, DJs know that we, we kind of like, it's like dogs. You think that's your dog, right? No, you're his human. Ooh. I really like that. Like, go talk to the dogs. They're going to tell you, oh, that's his human. <laughs> yeah. So it's the same thing. You talk to the DJ, that's his rapper. You know what I mean? You talk to rappers, I'm the DJ. But it's whatever, I digress. Anyway, so the difference was we would do these. We're almost performing in the same clubs. <laughs> but we would do these events and no one understood what was happening, so they were standing around and watch. Like, we got people spinning on their head, doing animated moves with their body, DJs making a record do these weird things, all at the same time. And this this was a spectacle, it just so much so they made a movie about it, a bunch of them, from Breaking the Beat Street to uh, Wild Style to all the documentaries, because it was such an effect on people just to see it all happening. like. How could you guys be doing all this <laughs> with nothing? Like some cardboard. 
In your mouth. That's the absolute fact. And the way it is now, the elaborate productions and the big stage shows and the great look and the money, it's exactly the same, bro. It's nothing different. The same, put it like this. If you took the richest person in hip hop and stepped on his toe and he was walking down the street in Compton, I bet you'd get you a fight. <laughs> Man, understand. We just more mellow. That's right. But the youngsters, what they need to understand with, with, with me, it, it's not so much I don't like, like I don't agree with T-Pain and none of that, bro. They all have their belief and I like that. But I feel like if you can't hear the difference in all these different dudes, then you don't belong to be listening to any kind of music, bro. It's like saying all classical music. It's all the same. It's classical. We've got it all. <laughs> it's not. It's yeah. not true. So Everybody don't have that ear, though. Right, you got to have an ear for music. <laughs> Everybody's not a futurist. Everybody doesn't pave the way. Some people just get over. That's true. So, Let me ask you, and I'm glad you said you're older than us, because I wanted to call you OG Spock. <laughs> call me that. That's actually me. OG Spock. Man, has, has music... I know music hasn't lost its touch, but live instrumentation, what happened to that? It's still in the same place. The guys making this music that you hear occupying the airways is just not the music with live instrumentation. You just gotta pick what you wanna hear. Like, you know, I learned, for instance, this is kind of a weird thing to say, but you ever think about being a different person? Like, but think about this. How the, is this PG-13 or what? You can curse, you can curse. How you can the fuck a different person when you've been thinking the same thoughts, the same 10 thoughts all your life? Bad. Mm. So what you gotta do, you gotta think different thoughts. OG, I mention this all the time and I usually ask producers and artists on here. How important, this is very redundant, and I know the followers always give me ask this question. How important and why aren't people using their imagination more often? Because they don't know that everything is in the imagination. Yo, it's laid in there. <laughs> Bro. Now, we just gotta know how to control it. Check this out. Have you ever been on a date with a girl that was a successful date where you ended up, you know, getting whatever you wanted? without seeing yourself get that first and imagining it and over 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 and over. That's your imagination running wild. Over and over and over. Your imagination. Use it. Use it. Your imagination. Listen. Over and over and over and over and over and over. Have you got something you wanted that you didn't think about having it first? Yeah, nah, because you manifested it by imagining visualization. That's a trick bag. Don't fall for that. So forget the okay, so words are used with letters. That letters are make so how do you make a word? You have to spell it. So if you spell and if you are spelling casting your spell. You spelling, right. oh, don't, that's all magic. That's all magic. They that's tell it. you to spell. As a child, you learn that it's magic. Come on, we're not paying attention. So those words, yeah, whatever. Prayer, 
manifestation, imagination is God and it makes you get what you want. Think about it long enough, you're gonna get it, even if it's the cops pulling you over. Every time you concentrate on something negative, you get it. Mm -hmm. What more? Okay, I'll tell you something else too. Do this, all y'all, you don't gotta believe in God or nothing. Go home and pray to yourself in your mind. Don't open your mouth for nothing and see what happens. And then call me in a few days because you're going to get what you want. You're going to get it. Like he said, up. you have to understand how to do it. But as far as going back to the music, because that's important. Right. If you imagine a better music, which is what I've been doing, you're going to see change. And so people like me, I'm imagining great music. My friends are working on great music. I'm imagining seeing Dr. Dre make fantastic music with Marsha Ambrosia. And, I'm, and it's happening. So I'm making music with new artists. I have a young lady, Disney. She's absolutely fabulous. And I've used all my cleverness with instrumentation, which I learned prior to being a DJ. And all my musical theory. Now I know how to work instruments and machines. Right. From, right. From, you know, Grandmaster Flash told me this. He said, bro, man versus machine. I was like, yo, this is like being a cyborg. We gotta make, connect this shit and translate it and people dance, that's the response. I call it music weaponization. I got a comic book about my life that explains the theory of weaponizing music and the most dangerous ones. And in an alternate reality, they actually create the, uh, of people like us that do music, we rule the world. Presidents, uh, kings, it's all us. My book. I was going to ask you if did you have a was it was Bambada and the Soul Side of Force a heavy influence in your? You know that's funny that you asked me that too. That's another. That's a very clever question. So yes, but I'm going to tell you how. Planet Rock, yeah, but that's craft work. So it's craft work. Mm -hmm. Arthur Baker. I didn't care about the party people, all the rapping. It's yeah. never that. It's the music. The music. The right. was the. What's that? That was where the influence of Soul Sonic Force. I actually took Planet Rock pretty much their pattern and did Reckless. Reckless. Yeah. Right. That, that, that's what drew the question because I'm listening to Reckless. Mm -hmm. I'm like, yo, this sound like '83, '82 in the park when. <laughs> and it was because every beat. So when I got my drum machine. Every beat, we used to go to the club and play these things. We didn't go home and so these bedroom dudes, like we would sleep in our bedrooms because we would be using the gear at the club, at the party, at right. the event with thousands of people. We wasn't stuck in the room with no friends. It's not that kind of life for these guys. We don't, none of you guys were in the room with no friends. I'm sorry, I don't see that. You guys are doing this now because of we how we are, but we was out there. So, we're making beats and they're dancing to them. So we know which beats are hot. You put on a beat, it ain't hot. Delete that one. <laughs> Breathe over it. Oh, magic. So yeah, Planet Rock was quite influential for the, we, did, we had a dance party scene here. So hip hop was a different thing in LA. It was the people who disrupt the, you know, the break dancers mm -hmm. and mess up the dance floors. And then it was the people who wanted to dance fast because it was a dance called a freak that you could grind yeah, up on the shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Hard as possible. <laughs> the faster the beat, the freak. 
bringing it back, OG. Jesus Christ. Bro, it was about sex. All our music. Why you think the dudes was dressed like Prince? They were getting <laughs> bro. It was bananas. We didn't have, we didn't we didn't sing a rap. We played other people's records. And we have more chicks than the stars. I used to get Dre in all the clubs when they had NWA, their second album. Mm-hmm. Nobody on the West Side liked them, but I was a celebrity DJ. So I kicked all kind of doors down, bringing them dudes in with them hats. Yeah. They was from Compton. They was in Compton. They didn't come out of Compton. Okay. Well, that's dope. Speaking of, speaking of Reckless, right? Um, Take you back to the year 1984. Motion Picture Soundtrack. Breaking. Yeah. Um, you and Ice-T collab on Reckless. How did you meet Ice-T? And uh, tell me about, like, uh, once once that once that movie came out, was it like at that at that moment you was like, yes, I made it? So this is what happened. The first thing was I met Ice T when I was uh just a new DJ. I went to deliver speakers and equipment so I could get free twelve hundreds to play on because that was like, oh my god, twelve hundreds mm-hmm. I can picking on these. So I started uh delivering to this club called Radio. And they asked me to DJ there, so I, I didn't have a DJ name. They gave me a name, the glove, and uh, I showed up. And after a while, this guy came in and he started being like the master of ceremony. We were like the house band, and we were introduced people, and I don't play music. And it was more like that than a nightclub. Okay. So uh, we got a lot of people came through, and we had a lot of. It was the weirdest thing that club because it had all celebrity audience so you got michael jackson literally like nobody knows it though because he got the mask and the whole get down and then you got sting and then you got madonna and then you got blah, all these super executives most high pop, i could name people you would miles colton and clarence apon these people are up in the room you know irving azoff these are guys that i grew up doing stuff for um Lowell silas he, discovered Bobby Brown and made them record for sale or whatever it is now. So uh, the way I met Ice-T was he was on stage with charisma. And he tells the story the other way. He said he came there and saw me DJing. Oh. Like, That's a perfect legend right there, bro. We take your point. Yeah, but um, so then uh, that 1984, as to answer the second part of your question with the film, uh, I, I had a number one movie. I went to the premiere with two. Okay, so those cats, Ice was in the movie more, and those cats were more on the camera, right? But I found out that you made money. I scored three scenes in the movie, and made. I still haven't made that much money to score a scene in the movie. Wow, that was forty years ago. Wow, so I made so much money. Before the movie came out, like they thought they made money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pulling bags, huh? yeah, yeah. but it, like it wasn't. But I wasn't broke anyway. But it was just I can now I can make moves. Like I wanted to yeah. be with Bobby. I want to DJ with, with Weird Al Yankovic, and I want to get Jones. And so I was doing all of that, DJing with all of these great producers, meeting all these minds, because I wanted to learn music. When you get into the studio, you find out that that's a secret laboratory. 
and there's stuff in there that you will never see done again, ever. So you gotta ask, hey, what'd you just do? Oh, I'm glad you asked that. I had, okay, so one time, just so you know, I haven't lost track of the question. Is it's really a trip. Rolling Stones had a record called Miss You. We went to the studio, the record plant, dude told us a story. He said, man, we had a second engineer. He, so the tape is a two inch tape. Right. When you rewind it, it's a high speed. So they were rewinding the tape and talking. That actually rewinding tape actually would take maybe an hour and a half a day out of your session, like total time. So you're paying 200, 300 an hour. You're like, ah, yeah, rewind the tape. But it was a funny sound happening. A razor blade, which is used to edit the tape, slipped into the heads and shredded the Miss You Master. Dang. Shredded. You can hear it back there going. <laughs> Dude went back there, take that shit all back together, took him a day, and bounced the copy and threw that shit in the trash. Nobody even know it. <laughs> it's that kind of thing that happens in the studio to a record that you know. But so when we started, like I found out it was a laboratory and I needed to know how to do that. And so I started studying how to make everything sound good. Like in the club, I wanted to know, first I wanted to learn how to separate the tracks on a record. Like how do I get the beat on this vinyl? Oh, I can't do it. None of these knobs can pull that apart. I gotta go to where they make it. You know, I had to learn it. We didn't have YouTube. They didn't, you weren't invited to the studio. You didn't know it was a studio. You didn't know there was such a word as studio until you meet a guy with one of these and go, what's that? That's a gold record. <laughs> How'd you get that? Well, this one's platinum. What's that? And when you ask that question, you start to imagine that thing in your house. OG, OG, you confirm with I try to tell people about yeah. information. And it's just it's like music to my ears coming from an OG, sir. Dude, it's like cheating. They don't even understand, bro. If you really get good at it, I'm gonna tell you, you hear it all the time. It's all in your mind. It's all in your mind. Bro, Ridge. <laughs> imagination. But what do they tell you as a kid? Don't daydream. You know why? Because you're too powerful. Yeah, you're too powerful. If they tell you to stop and you go, shit, I get in trouble for that. Then you won't go get yourself a Bentley by laying in the bed for two hours and imagining yourself driving it. Then all of a sudden, by a way that um, no man knows, you have a Bentley in the driveway. Mm. Everything will line itself up to get the thing that your mind knows that you have. That's why prayer tells you what believe you have received it to receive it. That's what imagination is. Stick, sticking with the theme of um, sticking with the theme of breaking, you know, I'm just I'm again like to me breaking. I think was the first time that I saw hip hop and break dancing on a commercial level, and for me it was it was foreign because it didn't look like what my version of what I had seen um, in terms of hip hop growing up in New York City. But over time, I really learned to appreciate it, and I was like, you know, damn, like yo, this is a hell of a movie. One was better than two. Breaking two, we could have did without. But, but I'm, just, I'm I guess I'm, I'm wondering like do you think breaking the breaking the movie do you think it's undervalued in terms of its contribution to the hip hop culture and breakdancing culture? If we took all them outfits off and breaking and wore what we was wearing for real, y'all would be saying it was the hardest movie ever. 
is the clothes that made it look like that. It was the clothes and the fake ass words. Run the run the tape. Go watch Breaking and Entering. The one of us, the documentary, and you see what we were doing. It was the same. You, me, and Egypt rocking the tables. Cats is breakdancing. They got on the dope gear. We set the pace for gear. We don't wear that silly stuff. We make trends. All trends come from hip hop. All trends, fashion, start here. Bitches, <laughs> understand. Not you, gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> and they take it from us. So the things that we did were dope, but they just made it Hollywood corny. And so what yeah. I also had, and this is the yeah. breaking, I was in a number one video, I feel for you with Shaka Khan. And that's when it made me feel like I had made it. At the number one video, the number one movie, and I was, uh, and we had the number one soundtrack all at the same time. Yeah, it's funny you it's funny you said that though, because that was the impression that I got of it. I'm like, you know, this is something that in its raw and purest form that Hollywood put their hands on and they they doctored it up. I don't know what, what was their need or desire to to I guess maybe the they felt they needed to The dancer. They they wanted to create which makes sense. You create the poor rich girl helping the poor kids. Right. It was like West Side Story, or yeah, that was a popular story. Romeo and Juliet. Like, remember he was poor and he was in love with the rich girl. Mm-hmm. You gotta remember that. That's what they threw in there. They just, it was whack the way they did it. <laughs> but it turned out to be landmark. It was kids love because of that. It was great act. You know, it was great yeah. timing. Our main thing was the time and get out first. We did it. And they did. I love so, it. So, something went right with it. You know, like furs and the stuff that Melly Mel was wearing. And, you know, it was over the yeah. top, too. <laughs> Melly, yeah. Melly, Mel, Melly Mel always had a fur and some feathers. Macho Man Savage and another dude. They look like the WWE <laughs> chicks. You ain't lying, though. <laughs> they were so, tossing so, here and everything, bro. Crazy. So what was the what was the reception that that people got in the hood? Like, what reception did y'all have in the hood when people saw it and was like, "Yo, why are they wearing these costumes to break?" Bro, like, okay, so I live on 64th Street. I'm rolling 60s. They grow up. They it was my kids, like, since the beginning, like. I went to Raymond Avenue where schoolyard groups started. Like, I know these cats, right? All of them. And they don't have nothing to do with hip hop. That's the street and the hood. The hood don't care what happened in the movie. They want to know how can they get some money and be in that movie wearing them clothes. They was like, yo, y'all in a movie. Yo, it's a movie. They wasn't, they knew we didn't dress like that. They knew what was happening when they came to the club. That was the movie. Anybody that knew what was around, they knew that that's, we were more the tunnel than that. Mm. I mean, remember now, the uh, art gallery is ground for, you couldn't get in, you had to do an art gallery. That's where we came from. 
we come from art galleries and parks. We don't come right. from nightclubs. We did that after. You know right. what I'm saying? Our thing is not that thing. Our thing is art. Yeah, All the street stuff, that's street stuff. We make yeah. money and we became an enterprise, but they become an element of us. Like now we got music and pimps and gangsters and killers and dope boys. Yeah. Still producers in there. They're not like of all of those other things. <laughs> Talking about nightclubs, talk, talk about your experience DJing at, at Paradise. And what were those Ooh. what was those what was those pool parties about? Talk about some pool parties you used to Okay, so Paradise first, because that's why the pool parties are legendary. So DJ at Paradise allowed me to play in front of fifteen hundred people every Thursday. Fifteen hundred packed. If, if crazy, you know, well, when I was there, it was I mean, because you got to dance and I play records, you can't help yourself. That's just the magic and the alchemy. I know how to play records. That's why I would close, you know. So, I mean, I started a lot of this stuff, man. I wouldn't do a night, I do a set. Like, I'm coming for 45 minutes, y'all, because <laughs> I got to go to another party because I'm chasing chicks. I'm not really trying to be working at a nightclub. To this day, I don't even like that. I just, I show up, I'm out. But right. Paradise was just a different thing, man. And and I could just be whatever I wanted to be in there, man. It was like, I could bring, I played every record that we ever did before. From uh, when I got with Dre around, around 88. And so I started playing like 100 miles and running and stuff like that there, nobody had. Like I could play more. You know, I've always nice. been, that DJ with, with, I was a Billboard reporter, which means I get every record company sends me 10 copies. Like I'm the record pool. Record pools get a guy like me in it. They have two reporters in a record pool. That way, every record label tries to give them 10 times what they need. And then they charge everyone else a fee. Right. So I started a few record pools, you know, because of my being a Billboard reporter back then in those days. And so then I became a guy, I, I got flagged for breaking records. Not for just playing them, but for right, playing them right. first. Gotcha. Like, DJ and knowing cool. it was Yeah, you gotta know what he is if you want a DJ at Paradise. I mean, you know, shout out to all them cats, man. Uh, Curtis, Greg, Lee. They knew to, you know, let us do our thing. They didn't ever bother the music. Nobody made requests. That's out. But I did a lot of private clubs, and, you know, I just wasn't having it, bro. I'm 6'6. Six, six. You're not gonna ask me to play a record. <laughs> you're gonna be too busy dancing you make your way up here is to bring me a drink like man dude i wanted to ask for a record you played it six records ago yeah i know i was reading your mind i imagine that. that's another thing you see that you can't help it bro it's not so but man so hip-hop having gone through all that that was my beginning like, it ain't no clubs like that now. Where's the club at with 1,500 people that don't nobody get shot every week? No COVID. Yeah. Nowhere. Yeah. Nowhere. Some days. The closest, the closest club, in my mind, of, of that magnitude might have been the Tunnel. But Tunnel was so oh, Right there, yeah. But it was a hip-hop club, see? Paradise was not a hip-hop club. I know. It, it was a nightclub. I, I played all the music. I played some rap, but you know, I was playing just hot records. We had a lot of people like, I would play MC Hammer, let's get it started. And he sold 20 million copies. 
You know what I mean? It was that kind of rap right. that we played. Right, you right. know, all of the Kwame's and all of the dance stuff was getting banged. Chub Rocks and the oh, it wow. drop bass all non-stop. Bow, bow, bow. But you wasn't going to hear Run DMC, Sucker MC there. Right. They were walked down. That's for kids. I remember, like, so I would go DJ. I would DJ the reggae club and play all of the hard hip hop. And they would go. So I could play the whole spectrum of music. Like, even now, I play Afrobeat. People are now catching on. But I've been playing Afrobeat for years. And, yeah, Afrobeat's you know, big. Yeah, man. And, and it's, it's not big in LA yet. But when I play it, the Nigerians go crazy. They're like, you from Nigeria? How do you know this music? Oh, man. You, you see Drake moving in on Afrobeat. Yeah, it's late. Yeah. You know, it's cool, man. I. I those kids, I love those kids, man. All the stuff they do, man, is after. And then they get notoriety. Like, I got this thing I'm doing now, Sigame. It's a song called Follow Me. It's actually an Instagram song in Spanish. So I'm rapping in Spanish. Uh, uh, you're gonna start seeing it come out, but it's a record about my, it's the first release from my comic book. I got a soundtrack for the comic. And it's about me being on the run. So you gotta communicate with me through Instagram. So my daughter is 15 and she's obsessed with the song. <laughs> Her words, not mine. Right. So now, mark my words. I got this song with a Dominican group that was like the equivalent of NWA for the Dominican Republic. Like the first hip hop, like kind of NWA meets Wu-Tang. They're groups within groups. It's like 20 of them. They call it Lo Correcto. So, if anybody knows, in the Latin world, if the music don't break in the DR, it ain't cracking, period. You gotta break every record in the DR. Ask Bad Bunny. All of them dudes, that's it. So if you wanna pop Latin, that's where you pop. So watch, you gonna start seeing some Drake's and some other guys. All of a sudden with these Dominican artists. Dominican specific now, I'm telling you this. They all been messing with the famous people, but watch. Just remember who did it first. There you go. <laughs> Love, baby. Thinking about the climate of what's going on right now, who are some of the artists right now that, um, I guess within the past five years, that's making some noise that you wouldn't mind working with? Artists that I wouldn't mind working with today? Mm -hmm. Like within the past um, five to eight years right now. Oh, I, it's no problem. I like a lot of the guys. Uh, i tell you who I want to work with. I want to do a blues album with Young Thug. Woo! That's different. Yeah. <laughs> Young, Thug don't get a, Young Thug don't get the credit he deserves. Right? That dude can sing, man. I don't care what they think. That dude is such a talent. That's one of a, that's like David Bowie, that dude. Mm -hmm. People don't know this dude. That guy is something else. Like, they are looking at Travis Scott. He's like the sideshow. Like his record was, the sideshow or whatever it was, the night show. This dude, Travis, he's not the truth. What's the name of the truth? The truth. I mean, he's so talented. I saw the dude making, this dude got a SB12, a MPC, a this, a that, all on top of the SSL, making tracks. Mm. See, I didn't even know he made tracks. Ha! 
Yeah, no Young Thug made tracks. Laboratories, man. We don't tell people how things get done. People man, want, I was going to do this show called Invisible Man, and I changed my mind. I'm going to keep my work secret. I'm not going to tell anybody what happened. They're just going to have to guess. If they think Frank stole from me and they look at me, they're going to know nobody steals from me. So that ain't going to happen. So people are going to, well, anything that's happened in my life is what I chose. Every single thing. And it's all by design. And when you see it unfold, it's going to make a lot of sense. Mm. Rest in peace, Bismarck. Rest in peace, Bismarck, for real. Now, Tell you us this too, right? Um, uh, you know, big shout out to the stuff that you and Dr. J put together. Tell us the crazy story about how Dr. J pulled up to your driveway and that's how you met him. <laughs> okay, so how I met Dre, yes. My friend Dave Jacquette brought him to my house. <laughs> that was weird. Like, yo, I'm Dre, okay. I don't got nothing to, I could play what I'm working on, but I ain't got nothing to prepare. But he told me what he was looking for, and I said I could do all of that. So then uh, he picked me up and took me to the studio, and we started working. Like, once he saw that I knew what I was doing, and and I had to, you know, I actually took Dre to Can-Am when I was mixing one of my songs. And he was like, what is this? And so then I, you know, before we did uh, Death Row, we were work we were at Rufus. So I, uh, my group was there. I showed him a lot of the studios. He was working in a place called Audio Achievements, and he had never heard of an SSL or seen automation. So I, I showed him that, and then he got one in his house now. So you know, <laughs> like he owns about five or six of them. Wow. At least ten million dollars worth of SSLs he got. Thank man. So you being being originally signed to um to Ruthless, what was it like to transition from Ruthless to Death Row? Like when Dre decided he was leaving Ruthless, well, you know what was that like for you? Funny story. <laughs> so like I was with Dre and Easy and Ren at the Arsenio Hall show when Dre decided to tell Easy he was done. <laughs> oh, yeah, we didn't hear that story. <laughs> I'm in between them. I'm like sitting next to Dre. How easy take that? Same way you figure he would. <laughs> <laughs> he was so happy. He jumped up and told our senior hall to play a song. That's not what happened. <laughs> so then, so let me tell you a little bit of that. So my same friend, Dave Jacquet, who brought Dr. Dre, he and I are really close friends and he was involved in some of my, he understands some of the music industry deals and some of the other dealings, like there was Jerry Heller who, there were a lot of things that were owned by their family. Like even though they would have cars, they would be in another company name or they would be, so we, we from having things, like remember I did breaking and I had money, more money. Like this stuff with Dre, it was for fun, bro. I had money. It was mm. like, what are we doing? You know what I mean? I got money. You, you got a bet, I got some money. I don't care. Let's go eat. Whatever. So, you know, that's how it is in LA. You run up on another hip-hop dude, you, they not hurting. You know what I'm right. saying? They just, let's roll. So, <laughs> funny thing is, then 
the it was like my contract was like a quarter of a million dollars for uh one album deal for 250,000 but they said he was told another number so we showed him our contract and the reason that well a very significant reason why Dre left Ruthless was because of the deal that we had with Epic. Mm. Okay. Instrumental action. Like, I was there when he said, I'm going to leave because of this bullshit. And so, like, like I was in the car when him and Doc went to get the check to start Death Row. And I was there when they had another name, and then they switched the name. And I was there. I'm the guy who's always there. You just and as tall and skinny as I am, you still don't even know I'm there. Yeah, yeah. So when we signed the contracts, it was Snoop, DOC, Dre, me, Harry on the phone because he was in prison. Should Dave Kenner Super Bowl Sunday? You know what I mean? Like, I throw a thirty foot lob to my brother Randy who dumps on Snoop Knight who tries to crush him, but he can't because he's so skinny. You can't stop them. It's like paper. You did nothing happens. But you get dunked on. You know them skinny guys. That's us. We, what you know, what was easy like? What, what was easy like? Man, that what was easy person, man. He was the most one of the most laid back, soft spoken people I ever met. Every time he had a problem or issue, it was like, nah man, we do with that. Hmm. But I'll tell you something about Easy. That dude, back then we had pages, right? So when you sit down, everybody put your pager on the desk. That dude's pager used to vibrate off the desk every time. It would never stop vibrating. Way more than Dre. Me and Dre's would be sitting. Dre's would go too, but that dude was straight off the desk. Easy. Constant, all new. He would always go, you got to beat me again because the number got pushed out because it only holds 99 numbers. Mm. Damn. Man, I'm telling you, remember back in the days, the lock, oh, y'all ain't old enough. You used to have to lock the, the one number you wanted to keep. Yeah, yeah, I remember. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to say, I remember the era. I remember the era. Oh, oh, you're, you're, you're seasoned. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm a little, I'm a little speck of dirt right there, son. I think I see some, oh, I do see some salt up. Take me through the mood of working on the chronic project. What was that mood like, working on that project? It's funny, a picture went up today and everybody thinks it's, it's one thing, but it's, we were actually working on the chronic, on that picture, uh, but it was the sing. So when you make a record, you make the album. Then you got to make the singles so they can go to radio. You got to make them because they got to make them. It ain't like the MP3 world. You can do it now and it'll be on the radio. You got to right. make it, press it, get it to the plant, blah, 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 in two weeks. It's four days minimum shortest. It would be superpower. So we would uh, we were working on these songs and it was just like the most amazing moment every time we went to the studio. The first day we worked on so the chronic. Let me see what's the first day. The first thing I remember work when they did G thing. I just happened to show up and it was <laughs> bang. Like uh, that, and Dre's Malibu House, they listened to that song 800 times. 
in a row. And I said to myself, that's funny. That's how that's gonna be in my mind, right? So remember, we talk about imagination, watch this. 800 times, back to back, right? Fast forward. You remember the box? Yeah. You know, all yeah. yeah. So the box. So we're working on, we're about to go on tour. So we're working on the show uh, music in the Valley. And the box is brand new. He's like, man, they got this video thing, the box. We got to check it out. So we get them to find it for us. And we put it on the uh, on the TVs in the studio, right? It's a pay-per-view thing. You can get it though. So we was going to order. Oh, man, G-Thing, we should order it. Nigga, they play G-Thing every day for three days. It was the only G-Thing on the box. No other video. G-Thing. I was thinking to myself, I told you, when they played that thing 800 times in a row, I said, I'm gonna see that in reality, mm. outside the studio, and guess what? And that was revenue, like, you can count those strings. Mm. So, it was just something, working on it, we knew it was a big deal, we just, we're trying to sell like Michael Jackson, that's all we talked about. Man, and yeah, and man, we gonna sell more Snoop. Like we can sell more to Michael Jackson. Heck yeah, Snoop, we can sell more to Michael Jackson. Snoop start believing it, imagining himself selling more to Michael Jackson. Start imagining himself being the number one solo artist, new artist seller of all time. Guess what he is? Till to this day, we got the record the most new, the most sold by new artists in one day. I did a lead single, Doggy Dog World, and What's My Name? I did that with Dre. Uh, but the rest of them, we just, I just involved with mixing or whatnot. But those are the songs that I actually. There's others I play keys on and stuff, but that's mine. Those are my two. Mm. Tell us some of your work uh, with Quincy Jones and with Bobby Brown. What was it like working with them? Man, Lil Silas, bro, he was just. Those sessions, man, just walking in them rooms and seeing those people in the room. Uh, it was nothing. I'd go show up. Everybody was always interested in me. When I showed up with them turntables, like, what's that? It wasn't the bass. It wasn't drums. It was always, what's that, dude? So anyway, yeah, man, it was just amazing working on that project. It's funny, too, because I tell people that me and Dre didn't smoke weed. And in this shot now, the studio, if you look at it, you don't see no smoke, no weed, no nothing. No ashtrays. When you don't got ashtrays, you know them dudes don't smoke weed. Don't smoke no weed. <laughs> but when we finished the chronic, before we put it out, Dr. Dre and myself both had to do that. It was just not, you couldn't put it out and, and not have done that. So this is what I was explaining to people. The reason the record is called the chronic is because, so all we were trying to say was we got a dope album. Right. So we needed the dopest name of dope. That was a metaphor, chronic. That's mm. why it's called the chronic, because it's the dope. I remember, I remember listening to NWA when I was younger, and, was, and just saying to myself, like, "Damn, you know, the West Coast, West Coast, really on our hills." Then hearing the chronic and being like, "Yo, yo, the West Coast is like really, really, really on our hills." 
used to play ball. And I remember going to a basketball tournament that was upstate New York. It was like a six hour drive. We listened to the chronic on repeat, going there and coming back. And then when Snoop Dogg came out with Doggy Style, I was like, yo, they, they got us. They got us. It was back to back. And what I always appreciated about the music, the West Coast music, is what Rob was saying, like that instrumentation, like the funk. And it's just like, I I don't know what it is about you guys, but it's like, yo, the, the, the element of the engineering and the mixing, like, goddamn, like, the, you gonna hear every single snare, kick, everything in its entirety. Like, you, you have to, you have to appreciate the musicianship of the, the West Coast creators. And I'm wondering, like, is that something intentional or that's just like, fuck it, that's how we make our music. OG about to break yeah, it down. Break it down, OG. Like us producers, like I always be cracking up with cats and talking about producers. Cause to me, it's like, uh, I, I'm just saying like, I'm a DJ, right? If I show up and it's nothing in the room, I'm gonna make a party. I can go get the speakers, I can go get the equipment. I know exactly what to do. I know what to do. That's a producer. The room is empty. If you can't turn on the board, get your ass out of here. You can't even, oh, I'm gonna make the beat. You can't even turn the power on. First guy walking, that's the engineer. How you turn it up? Get out. <laughs> Keith Room is down the hall. Computer in there for you. Don't come in here. This is man stuff here. We dealing with frequencies. We can, you can, Dude, I had brain surgery from sitting over an SSL. Sam Snead has had brain cancer from sitting over an SSL. It's Damn. not for children. This is not for play. Dr. Dre had an issue not too long ago. We sit on these nuclear warheads. Y'all don't want none of this. They make music, they don't make this. I like a lot of it. I do, I enjoy that. I think that's, that's like the, so there's a rank of professionalism that goes beyond. So you know how you heard about like the Illuminati, right? You know there's some shit above them that you ain't gonna never hear of, right? That's even over them, that you'll never yeah. even know exists. You'll never yeah. hear about it. They there. That's where our music is. We have left the airway <laughs> and left humanity and we play it in our homes it's like having a rembrandt if you want to see rembrandt you got to come to my house to see the rembrandt i'm not going to put it on tv or in a museum for display there's some of my shit in museums but the rembrandt and the picasso and the degas you go, i'm going to glove house i love his art it's like the louvre imagine that with music yeah. Imagine going to visit Dr. Dre. When you leave Dre's house, it's gonna be like this. He done play so much hot music. You're like, bro, you should take over the radio. Right. Yeah. That's not expensive to us. We yeah. don't care. Dr. Dre will go rent a studio and put 50 piece orchestra in there for the fuck up. I was gonna say that, man. They'll get, they'll get a bass. They'll get somebody to play the bass. 
but they be like, yo, make it sound like this. <laughs> Instead of sampling, I'm actually, we can actually get the bass played. Right. I was going to ask, what are your thoughts on sampling? Uh, whatever you can, I sample, I sample all the time, but see, we don't, we, we, it's like, there's sampling, then there's a thing people are doing, then there's some you never heard of, and there's some above that, that's what I'm doing, this is where I'm at, and then we do it, it's up, so this is the important part though, it's never the sample, it's the spaces in between the samples, uh, that. That's the great. That's where the funk is in the gaps. It's not in the sample. That's why you hear same people use the shit we use, and it don't sound the same. Same. That's it. Why we get knickknack, paddywhack, and make twelve and a half million dollars off of it with California Love, and never release it as a song. Mm. You can't even buy that version we did. Damn. That's yeah. how you keep shit. That's how you keep shit. That's how you become a legend, bro. We don't play the same way, bro. We we play unfair. We throw away beats that cats clamor for as a skit, just to show it's like America versus the world. We got nukes. We do nuclear testing. You can't even afford to get a nuke. We're popping them off to see how they blow up, like a firecracker. Exactly. <laughs> nuclear testing is such a statement in global power, nigga. You got the money to test nukes? <laughs> a nuclear test is when they launch a bomb on somebody else. Then they go say, okay, let's see how it works. <laughs> All right? We launch them in our own backyard. Bow! Yeah. Oh, that one right down the nose. Okay, another one. All right, we can't use that part of Earth. Yeah, we got it. Just save that for 70 years. We'll be back. Like, you don't want to, you can't, you can't compete. These cats got, this never was, never were we trying to be what we ended up being. We just wanted to sound great, but we right. don't offer competition. Like, it's cats that make careers off the of sampling songs of my mind. Kanye West says himself he took explosive and made a life. He ended up marrying Kanye West. I mean, uh, what's her name? Kardashian. Kardashian, yeah. If he hadn't took that explosive thing and flipped it, he would have never been that dude. Mm. And then he did. The Rock La Familia, H to the Izzo, Never Change, blah, 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 like seven songs with explosives. And they all say on there, the sample is being used because they're all clear. So it's undeniable. I had a major impact on that dude's life and he don't even know. Damn. Well, we've been going to that. He know now. Now we've been going to that. Tell us, tell us that the viewers, what's the, what's the difference between the music business and the music industry. Okay, so real quick, business is a collection of guys doing, making money. Industry can pick the president and actually you can donate money to a presidential candidate. So if you become an industry, you can dictate policy in the world. So that's the difference between a business and an industry. Now, the music business is a music industry. There ain't no music business. It's a music industry. All of it. Now, some of these kids are doing kitty business in it, but it's an industry. Like, they kicking some little thing around on Spotify, but Spotify got $800 billion. Ain't nowhere where kids are playing where it ain't SoundCloud. 
I got 300 streams on SoundCloud. Well, SoundCloud got 800 million billion dollars. This is all industry. Yeah. So, what was the question? There's no difference. No difference. Now, I feel like industry, the music industry in itself, is not. Uh, it's never been for the meat. <laughs> but it ain't hard. You yeah, it ain't that. It'll gut you if you're a bitch. But you gotta just, and then it makes a lot of bitch ass people. But yeah. you gotta be. Imagine yourself being noble. Imagine being a noble person who would not rob or steal or hurt people and help people. Someone you could count on if someone had a problem. How about that person? What's wrong with that? That's who I want to be. I don't want to be the killer that did that. If I kill you, it's because you did something that was even near you. It ain't got nothing, it was noble. Might have been a noble act. I'm not gonna do something that's not that. And I'm right. not gonna consider it in my mind. Self-talk is the most important thing on your life, young man. If you can tell yourself, stop hating on these dudes, man, I just wish really that I had what they had. And be honest with yourself and wish them well. All this talk about killing the brothers, niggas will run over and help each other because they thinking in their heart, they want to be better. And the truth come out. Instead of the bullshit and shooting a nigga when you really hurt yourself. When you Most people, I guarantee you, once they kill someone, they're heartbroken. But remorseful, of course, yeah. Heartbroken, bro, they're ruined. OG, that your OG spot. I know you work on a song that got something to do with imagination. You ain't holding holding out, brother. Well, <laughs> see, thing. it's everywhere, so I don't have to. It's like my name. People say, "How come you don't never wear a glove?" I said, "Cause I am the glove. Why should I, I wear?" <laughs> the only time you'll see me wearing a glove is to announce my name in a place I can't say it. So in a movie, you're gonna see me wearing a glove while I'm DJing and say, glove. I ain't right. gotta say I'm the glove when I'm in a movie with a big ass gauntlet on. Right. So that's that's when you do that. You need that for a moniker when it's spoken without spoken. But other than that, I'm but I see you got the you got the death row link on. Tell us a, yeah. tell us something uh tell us a, a positive story that people may not know about death row. Cause death row, all we always hear is, you know, that all the publicity is all the horrible things that Suge did, but I'm sure that there was there good attributes to Suge. I'm sorry, what was the question? I said, tell us <laughs> tell us something positive about death row. Death row or Suge? Death row. <laughs> <laughs> and both, actually tell us both. Both, both. No, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm I said, positive that Suge is in jail. <laughs> okay. Okay. So you know that. Death Row, you know, I'm going to tell you a story. Snoop was a new artist. This was the most fantastic experience of my life, and I'll explain why later. But we had a, a press party for Snoop, and I will get to your, this is an extension of a two pool parties. So okay, the two wet and wild party. Okay. Right. So we had a yacht party for Snoop. So we got Crips and Bloods and a lot of celebrities on a boat in the marina. So as we casting off, I'm thinking to myself, this is going to be scary. I hope the Bloods and Crips don't get mad at each other. 
<laughs> right? I didn't bring a weapon, and I'm not gonna do anything. <laughs> so let's hope for the best. Imagination go. But the problem is, just kept imagining that's getting their ass whooped. So, a riot ensues on this book to the point where it's like, everybody run to the right, everybody run to the left. The boat is a big boat. And it's like, so the Coast Guard, which is the sheriff in boats, the LA County Sheriff, they just got boats. Same thing. Roll up on the boat, guide it back to the port. We on this boat, two, three hundred blacks, eight hundred sheriff officers everywhere. Boats, we not getting off the boat. We tell you what happened. We had FOI as security. Do you know those dudes came up on the boat, got everybody together, surrounded us. Walked us off the boat past all the cops into our cars and stood there, and the cops could not do jack. The FOI protected, they stopped the riot, they stopped everything, they got us to our cars, sheriff couldn't even get near us, and we bounced. And as we were leaving, we seen carloads of FOIs going toward the boat with radios. And, bro, that's what I say was a positive effect of that, bro, right there. There was no violence with the cops because of the FOI that Death Row had employed. And that, that was crazy though. I never, it was as if I saw, remember that movie Malcolm X when they stood in front of the oh, station? Yeah. It was a dude that did the thing. Dude stood up and he did like this. And all the dudes said, rock. And we walked by and the other dude did like this, Shakir. He said, Phew. and they said, Shun. and closed the gate behind us. A human game. Mm. We crazy. all know what FOI stands for, but they could use an acronym, another acronym called for organized intervention, the way they did that. Fruits of Islam. Yeah, yeah. So, that's so what I'm saying, but they, they could use that too. But they was just like FBI. It's just like Fidelity Investigation and uh, what is it? Fidelity, uh, Bravery, and something else. They took the FBI mm -hmm. and made up other words. They do that. I'm sure did, FOI did, the stuff in there. Did any of the drama, like any yeah. of that stuff that um that came with being on Death Row impact any of the music being made? Because I damn sure didn't seem like it. What do you mean? Meaning that the quality of music was always very high, regardless of whatever the other things that were going on within Death Row. So what we did there is there was layers, right? So there's two factions. There's the office and the studio. The dudes at the office. So at one point, the office and studio were together when we was at Solar. That does not work. It created much havoc. Gunfire, a nine-year prison sentence, not good. A stolen name from death row, all of that. When we separated the two, it was the office and then me and Dre at the most furthest expensive studio we could think of. Mm. That way, nobody even knew. We was always way out in the valley. Ooh, nobody want to pop up in the valley. It was when we were around in LA and Hollywood when we had pictures. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, we kept ourselves separated. We focused on music, bro. We, all we want to do is make music and get chicks and eat. 
That's a California recipe right there. Man, that's all we did every day. That dude is doing it right now. He's making some music. Got some chicks coming over. They finna eat. <laughs> and it'll be, I'll probably go over tomorrow or something. Explain, explain to people the role of an engineer and just how important a good engineer is. So we used to use engineers like this the thing. An engineer is important. The per this, this is what's important. The person who's crafting your sound. So if that person is an engineer, me, I'm a producer. As I said before, I don't let nobody touch me. Ain't no guy between me and my sound. That's then I'm an amateur. I can't work the thing. That's like I can't create my own shot. I'm not Kobe Bryant. You gotta pass it to me. I'm Ray Allen. Like who would you rather be? I don't want you to. I'm open. I'm open. Then give me the damn ball, bro. I'll see if you're open. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so yeah, it's different. You know what I mean? We don't think the same with that. It's it's a whole nother. It's 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 up here. Like and that's how we keep it like that, man. When, when you man, the music that we make is timeless. Like you can put it in and listen to it right now, and it sound like we just made it. And so when you can do that thing, like you can put in Soldier Boy's record too. It might not sound like you made it today. It might sound like it came out in 2006, you know, because of those things. We don't play like that. You might think ours is earlier because we use the same keyboards that they made in the 70s and 60s and even. And, and, and you know, we got some fretless bass and we got some stuff you don't even know what to call it because you didn't go to music school, you know? I mean, why don't people want to learn how to make music, but they want to make music? Like, that's the dumbest thing I ever heard of, bro. They don't want to learn about music. They want to make music. Like, who wants to make something they don't know what it is? Though, would you make a hamburger if you didn't know the meat? Like, <laughs> what? They just get a sample pack and a beat and slap that shit together and say, I'm a producer. Bro, do that without electricity. Oh. Make people dance without electricity. Yeah, I heard I heard you explain music and how it affects the IQ. Explain that to the people. So it's really musical instruments. What musical instruments do in a child is they open up mathematical possibilities. For instance, when you play in the piano, you play one finger, if you put two and you hear a different sound, you go, oh. Then all of a sudden you see all the hand come out. You ever seen that with a kid? They'll go ding, ding, bang. <laughs> all of a sudden they learn 10, like all of them. And some motherfuckers will put their feet on there. <laughs> you need, so you learn that off top. A child learns that, so it, it triggers a new synapse. And so it creates a thinker of solver of things. And when you, that's what genius is. Genius is, being able to figure it out, that's it. If you right. got something and you gotta get there, you better figure it out. If you can't figure it out, you call somebody, you know? But mostly I can figure it out and I'll call somebody and tell them what I did for them, cause they gotta figure it out too. Like I, I'm the one they call it, hey man, let me see that. Like Rubik's Cube, you know, it's a puzzle. Like I'm a, that's what that does. Music causes you to wanna do crossword puzzles. Like. Kids don't want to read. So how you trick them to read? Give them a game, a video game that has words in it. But they get 
benefit every time they spell a word right, even though it's a gun or a gym. You know what I mean? You gotta just, you can teach people without even them knowing, bro. They don't need to know. Yeah. Just, they go home with new knowledge. Hey, John, how did you learn how to read? I don't know. I play video games all day. <laughs> you know? We can give good things and think, look, the best thing a man can do for another man is to have a positive imagining for him. It's better than a prayer. If you say you're looking for a job, you, you love the way that our music sounds and we was catching up. You can imagine us not catching up. Hmm. Like, you know, or make it where you surpass now or, t or merge up. Like, all you gotta do is think about it. You gotta yeah. do it. Think about it. Okay. Man, how long is it? Now, there's a secret to it. If anybody wants to go further, I'll tell them the secret. But I'm not telling anybody on this. <laughs> how long did it take to mix the Chronic album? You can tell us that? Yes, it took. Uh, so, to make the album and get it done and out to be shipped in its entirety, how it is not the singles and all of that shit and all the different cassettes and all the different mixes and stuff. We did that, we started in 90, like 89. It was like, the album probably took a year and a half to make the whole thing. To mix it specifically, once we started mixing songs, it was like two weeks. Really, that's it? I would imagine that it took y'all probably longer than that. The sound quality and just, just, damn. Y'all was in there that. like scientists in the lab. Let me tell you a secret. I'm going to tell you this. When you make music, you have a 24-inch tape. If you have vocals, you need tape for the vocals. So you need a vocal track for Snoop, a vocal track for Dre, a background vocal track, and a stereo track for a hook. So that tracks out of 24. Take one away because you need for Simpty and the one next to it. So that's seven tracks from 24. So that leaves how many? 16. All them songs you heard were 16 tracks of music. Hmm. All of them. Now those 16 tracks could have many, many things. <laughs> like you know you got the kid in your ear and your hi-hat. That's the man like, one in the middle. The bass, how to flip, how to sound change, keyboard parts, blah, blah, blah. Multiple sounds on the same track. Type thing. So, you you know, it's a lot, but it wasn't a lot. Yeah. That's why y'all probably went crazy when that with automation. Nah. The automation was to help us maximize the lower amount of tracks. Now, we got some songs that are 48 tracks, two machines, but... Mm. You didn't need it like that. We got drum machines. We stacking shit. You know, we're not stacking kicks and snares and that. But we got, we know how to sound design, bro. You only got 16 tracks. Yeah. See, this life we did is different from this life of, of unlimited tracks that we have. Yeah. We created it in another, okay, so watch. Tracks linear this way. So you're left to right, right? Right. Our tracks are linear this way. Not left to right. Those are lines. We take those lines and we chop them up this way. So we got a million opportunities going this way. 
Most people don't look that way. They don't go into the depth of the track. How many times can I lay? I can put a hi-hat here, then I can put a kick here. And I can change the EQ at this point with one button. Yeah. Or I can send a patch that triggers it with this kick that'll bounce into another track so it'll EQ it different at that moment. Like, we gotta do tricks. Wow. We didn't have unlimited tracks because you had limited tracks, 48. So when you have a limited number, how do you make an unlimiting thing? You gotta figure it out. Tell us about Uncle Jam's Army, what that meant to you, and also uh, Mr. Tony Joseph, what he meant to you. Oh, wait, let's start with Uncle Joseph. Well, let's do this. Uncle Jam's Army meant a lot to me. That shit was fun. But Tony Joseph taught me how to DJ. And that's when I feel like I'm, you know, that's when, when I DJ, that's when I notice like all this other stuff I can do, it's whatever. When I get on the music and I'm playing and I got the even control or whatever and I go in the song, like I can do anything there. 